Hello, and welcome. Do we say that every time? I feel like I say that every time. Okay, let's try it. Let's, okay, hold, let's, let's just try it, try it over. Let's try, try it, it over. Okay. Hola. It's kind of the same, but it it's was in a kind different of the language. same thing. Ugh. That's Rochelle, and I'm Carter. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. It is an out loud version of a quiet time. So you know, you study, you pray, you may do a little worship, and and then you talk to a friend about what you learned. That's yes. that's what this is. It's almost like a small group that they have sometimes at churches. Yeah. And yeah. you get to discuss things. And what we really get jazzed is when you ask questions. So if they're, did I just say jazzed? We get so jazzed. <laughs> Jazz hands. Yeah, it is. No, no, let's try it in Gen Z. Okay, we we, we get lit, fam. <laughs> that, it is so lit when you ask questions, fam. And you can do that. Um, obviously, you can leave a rating, but ask questions. Email us. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so hopeondemand.com is mm-hmm. where you get started right there. That's what this podcast lives, uh, where it lives at. There's other podcasts. There's Christian artists, worship artists that are talking about what they're going through spiritually. Of course, there's performances. There's virtual concerts over this past uh, year that we've dealt with. So sure. hopeondemand.com. If you need hope. It's on demand. Okay, we're going to talk about hope right off the bat. Yeah. So, uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'm Rochelle. Hi. And I'm going through my quiet time through the Bible. And I've landed, now I'm in Joshua, the book of Joshua. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to be reading through the Bible. And yes, it'll be around Christmas time where I'll be at the end. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of going to be strange because I feel like that should be when you read the Christmas story. And also, you don't get told, this is just... <laughs> Seeing how big the Old Testament is compared to the New Testament. Right. You don't get to the New Testament until like October. Right. Right. So what's really cool is when you find the bits of hope Mm -hmm. and the things that point to Jesus, the author and finisher of our our faith. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, In the Old Testament. And a lot of the times you read through the Old Testament, you're like, okay, that's separate and apart. But it's meant to be read as one whole story, even from the beginning. You know, we talked in podcast past about the creation of the world and in the first few chapters of scripture telling us how our place is has always been meant to be with God, right? And so getting back to that place of Eden, if you will, mm-hmm. and how Jesus is going to be the one to help us get there, it's prophesied right off the bat. So we're even seeing glimmers of hope there in the Old Testament and don't don't ever go, "Oh, well, but that that was then." And this is now. But you see, the point of the Old Testament is to point to Jesus. And there's going to be things that you can really relate to in the Old Testament. I mean, certainly there are going to be things that you're like, where did that even come from? Like the law about make sure that you don't muzzle an ox. And you're like, what? I don't have any of that going on in my life right now. Right. Uh, But actually, it's quite interesting. It's like, why would you put a mouth guard on an ox while he's working? Let the poor thing eat some grain while he's he's milling it. You might as well get something out of it. And so actually, Paul goes on to use that a little later. Um, I was connecting with First Corinthians, I think it's nine, chapter nine, and he brings up that law. It's like it's not just about it's not just about oxen. I'm going to apply this to humanity. He, as a leader in the church and going about on a circuit, if kind of and in preaching the gospel, uh, he'd take up a meal every once in a while, you know, and he's going to be like, I'm like. I'm like the ox. Don't muzzle me. Don't uh, keep me from eating as I go. Uh-huh. You know, it was interesting. But let's talk about the hope in Deuteronomy. And that's saying something because Deuteronomy mostly is filled with, it's a big long speech from Moses and it's filled with all these laws repeated. And he even like at one point in the book is like, all right, I'm going to share a bunch of blessing 
if you follow all these laws, here's the way that God is going to bless you. And then we're going to share a bunch of cursing. <laughs> and it's pretty heavy. Mm. It's pretty heavy. I, I have to laugh, otherwise I cringe. Yeah, yeah. And I made the mistake of sharing some of the things that Moses predicted would happen if the people strayed. To my children. Oh, I, oh my. I mentioned, yeah. hey, did you know how bad it got? And then I realized as soon as I said that, I'm like, you're still not old enough. Right. I should have waited because it gets real bad for the Israelites. Really, really, really bad. Uh, before they're exiled, they do some things that they shouldn't. But all of that to say, uh, it's towards the end of Deuteronomy that there is this amazing passage where Moses shares the hope. After he says, look, if you follow God's laws... You're going to do great. You're going to be blessed. This land, I mean, you're not even going to have to do much. It's going to just do it for you because God is going to bless you. The, the, psh, there's fruit, you know, just, I yeah. mean, you'll still plant and all that stuff, but it'll be like amazing fruit. And then he shares, but you know what? You're going to mess up because I've been with you for 40 years. <laughs> And that's uh, that's the constant, right? Yeah. You know, there's not it's not the variable. It is the constant that human beings will continue to, to be mess up. Human beings. Yeah. I mean, well, let's talk about those closest to you in relationship. Your, you know, your relatives, probably, right? So, think of being with them in the same household for forty years. Do you know them pretty good? Mm-hmm. You think? Mm-hmm. You know their idiosyncrasies. You know what they're going to say, even probably before they say it. Yep. And you have to bite your tongue sometimes so that you don't come off like a total jerk. You, you ever know? you ever do the thing where you're sitting there with a family member and then something, let's just even say politics, you know, something happens on the TV that's political uh-huh. and you and you point to the other room because, you know, your mom or your dad or your sister is going to yell something that they are. They always yell, you know, <laughs> so you, you know, they're going to they're going to mouth off about politics and you just point to the other room yeah. and then they say and then they start saying it. <laughs> What's really impressive is if you start mouthing the words, <laughs> the exact words, the exact words right. that they're going to say, because you know them that well. Oh. Well, Moses knew these people pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, God knew them before they were even born. He knew what was going to happen. But Moses, is, uh, you know, he'd had a lot of conversations in those 40 years with his creator. Um, face-to-face conversations is what Scripture tells us, uh, which meant he was super close with the Lord. His relationship it was just super personal. They were friends, you know. Mm. And <laughs> he told them straight out, you're going to fail. Okay, you're not going to be able to keep these commands. It's just going to be a thing. And it's going to get real bad. And this is how bad it's going to get. But there will be a change of heart that will be available to you, Israel. God won't forget you. And you you read through some of the curses. You read through some of this the, these things that you know, according to this prophetic word from Moses, are going to happen. You're thinking, wow, that's really harsh sounding. And it is harsh sounding. However, it's also kind of like this should be no-brainer stuff for the Israelites by this point after being blessed over and over and over again. God continues to, even after, even knowing what they're going to do, he says, but I will still be there with you. And the few numbers that there are of you left after all this exile stuff is going to happen, I'm going to be with you. It's going to take a change of heart, Moses is talking about. And he is hinting at this moment in the future where there will be a 
kind of a divine appointment moment. And, you know, the New Testament writers are, are saying what Moses was talking about. This is this moment with Jesus Christ, this mm. Holy Spirit moment where Jesus can change your perspective forever. Because how do you adhere to these things that God wants you to do when you are influenced by culture all around you? And that's what eventually takes place with these Israelites as you continue to read through the Old Testament. They are influenced and they allow the influence in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I mean, if you've ever been tempted and who on this planet has not, even Jesus was tempted. Right. You know what that feels like. If I'm on the outside looking in and your temptation isn't something that maybe I'm tempted with, I can really go high on my high horse and go, oh my word, I can't believe they're giving in. Why, why would you even go there? But you know the things that you've been tempted on yeah. and perhaps even given into. And, and you can't explain it. Yeah. You know, why did I do that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But they, they got tempted by a lot of stuff, outside influence. Let's say a uh, beautiful girl from a different culture. And, uh, oh, I want to marry her. And that that's one of the things that Moses warns about. Don't do a lot of this intermarrying stuff because I have a feeling you're not strong enough yet in following after these laws. Mm -hmm. You're not strong enough in relationship with God yet. Mm. You know, so you yeah. need to be sticking to what you know and the outside influence of these cultures changed them. It's so easy. I remember having these dreams of being in Hollywood. I was going to be an actor. That was my major in college. That was what I felt like I was leading me towards. And I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to really try to bring people to the Lord. It is so much easier for you to be brought down. Mm -hmm. than to bring others up, especially right. when you're outnumbered. Yeah. And uh, you are God's people. You are his chosen people. You are outnumbered, Israel. So you better make sure that you are keeping to these laws and that you are keeping to your faith in God and you're seeking me first. And he's like, write these things on your, write them down on pieces of paper and attach them to your wrists, attach them to your heads. And so they actually had these things called phylacteries where they would attach scripture and laws so they would not forget them. Ponder them day and night. Make sure you're thinking about this stuff because you're going to stray. And so that's where the Holy Spirit is a huge blessing. That's the hope that we get to see in the midst of all of this stuff in Deuteronomy. It's like there is a hope that's coming and it's going to trans. It's the only way mm. your heart has to be changed and transformed, right? Certain uh, translations call it circumcision of the heart, uh, but that that basically it's tr a transformed heart. So I, I think that's fantastic. You look at that and you think, look at what Jesus does for us. He makes it so that I am aligned with his spirit because of the transformation that he has made in me. It's nothing that I did. Mm -hmm. He did it. And now because of his spirit in me, I am aligned with who he who he wants me to be. And that resistance that you feel when temptation comes along is his spirit guiding, saying, uh-uh, don't even entertain. Yeah. And sometimes we, <laughs> I know I've done it. I'm like, I try to shush the voice. Right, right. Just this once. No, this yeah. is once. Or it's okay for me because. Mm, you'll justify it somehow. But it's not as bad as, you know, if you can imagine and again, like we talked about last week, you are saved by faith and grace. Uh, but for the sake of this illustration, because just because I think this is a way that we think. And maybe maybe the opposite, because he saved you first, right? 
So you just have to accept it. So like in an opposite order, like grace and then faith, would you say? Because it says uh, we love because he first loved us. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think faith is a gift. Oh, um, sure. I, mean, I think it says that flat out, but I, I guess I don't. I haven't thought about the order necessarily. I don't know that it hugely um, matters. I just thought it was interesting. It's interesting. But for the sake of this illustration, okay. I just think this is the way that we think. Okay. Um, that it's just like, you know, parenthood where uh, you're, you're dealing with your parents. So let's say it's me and you, okay. Rochelle. We're at the store. Yeah. And you, you say, let's even a handful of kids, okay? We're the kids hanging out at the store and you guys get the bright idea that uh, let's steal some stuff. Get some candy. Okay. And I'm like, I don't think we should do it, guys. But I end up taking a candy bar. Now, you guys took like Tide Pods and expensive stuff. Okay. Tide Pods. Yeah. You guys took the expensive stuff. I'm not taking the challenge. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> don't, don't take the Tide Pod no. challenge. Uh, but it's about as smart as the Tide Pod challenge. Mm. Um, and so you take the really expensive idea. It's like supermarket sweep for you guys. What? You know, let's go get the meat. Let's go get the special edition. And I just take a candy bar. Well, I, let's say, you know, our parents find out. And I'm trying to tell my parents, mm. well, I, I, I didn't do what they did. I didn't yeah. do what they did. And they simply tell me, but what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of, I know I go there, well, at least I'm not so-and-so. Well, mm-hmm. at least I didn't do so-and-so. But if if asked at the gates of heaven, if that's even how it works, you know, well, why should I let you in? I think a lot of us would go, well, because I wasn't as bad as that Joe guy. down the street. Well, that's not the standard. <laughs> I'm going to deal with Joe. You know what the standard is? Perfection. Exactly. And you done messed up, A.A. Ron. And in fact, let's take it this way. You're the kid who takes the candy bar in front of the other kids, but you put it back silently while no one's looking. Okay. You technically didn't steal it. Right. But you saved face with them and didn't stand up for truth. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Are you still guilty? I, well, I don't know. I not of not of stealing. You're not. You're but. not guilty of stealing, but maybe something morally, because you it's deception. You led yeah. them to believe you yeah, did a that's thing. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I think that's it's a fascinating topic. Uh, or let's say you didn't steal it altogether, but you thought about it, you wanted to, and you resented the fact that you didn't do it. Yeah, it's interesting. There, temptation is not sin, but then at a certain point when we give our will over to it, it yeah, is. Because Jesus said, if you've done it in your heart, it's the same as doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who can live up to that? Nobody. No. Who is truly commander of their thoughts? I mean, there is a scripture that points to you take captive of those thoughts, right? The New Testament talks about that. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Well, it's in the New Testament, isn't it? It's not in the Old Testament. It's after Jesus comes. Yeah. That that's even considered that I can take my thoughts captive. Mm. So I, I mean, there might be a scripture in the Old Testament alluding to that, but I think that would be that, that is a desperate cry. Lord, help me do that. I don't know that that was ever something successful. And even listen, there are going to be times where you fall, but I have Jesus on my heart and I still did it. Look, we still mess up. We we're still flesh. Yeah. We, there's still temptation. Yes. In, in, in heaven, why wouldn't I choose sin in heaven? Because it's just impossible. Because mm-hmm. it's just we will be perfected. But here we're still we're still dealing with yeah. both the spirit and flesh. So there is a continued need, I think, to refresh. So and that's that's, I I go to the Lord a lot. Lord, I messed up again. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you, kid. Yeah. 
you know? And because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice, I'm not bringing another bull to the temple. I'm not bringing another, you know, lamb to the slaughter. Jesus was the lamb, the sacrifice. Um, So there was that. And then uh, going into Joshua, there is this one verse that really stands out. You know, Joshua is told by God, okay, you're the leader. Moses, he passes away. Um, This was a Bible bowl quiz question when I was a child. Okay, What mountain did Moses pass away on? Well, I would say... Not your elbow, but your... That's what my dad would say. Not your elbow, but your... Knee? Nebo. (laughs) Nebo is the... Mount Nebo. Yeah. I see. I only know Ararat and Sinai, so I would have guessed Sinai. But now, will Um, you not remember with that lovely mnemonic device? I bet I will. (laughs) I bet I will. Mount Nebo. he, He climbed and he was shown the promised land and he passed away there and... Uh, Joshua was the guy. And so he's the one who's told by God, okay, I want you to do some things. And they crossed over. And that's an incredible story. It's almost uh, like a, a retelling of the story of the Red Sea parting. It, and speaking of faith, wow. I mean, think about the priest that is asked to put the foot out in the water. When I think about rivers, um, when, when I was reading the Bible, they always seem small to me because the Red Sea looks so huge. It's a body of water, mm. but rivers are flowing yeah. fast yep. and they're, they can be very large. And so this is the Jordan river and it's flowing. And, uh, it's, it was like, I think, I think I'm recalling this correctly. It was at the time where it wasn't just a little bit of water. This was a good good chunk of water coming through towards the Dead Sea. Anyway, so the priests are commanded to step out put your get into the water and the water will stop and there's like this wall of water that starts building up it's quite impressive mm. and the as long as the ark of the covenant which the priests are carrying on the poles because you're not to touch it that's important later on in scripture we learn um they're always always to carry it on these poles stand there and the entire israel community is going to pass until they pass the water's going to stand still like this it's going to keep walling up over there and it's really cool because they ask, uh, uh, Joshua has leaders from the 12 tribes of Israel to go grab a big rock from the middle of the riverbed. And they make this monument on the other side of it so that anybody passing by will remember and like have mm. a story to tell their kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know my dad loves doing that. You know, we'll pass by the old neighborhood. Hey, I remember when. Yep. Oh, yeah. You drive by your old house. And we'd roll our eyes. You can imagine the Israelite children rolling their eyes. Uh, <laughs> but they remembered. That's right. And they not only did one on the other side of the river, they did one right there in the middle of the riverbed, too. And uh, scripture, I love it when they said, and it's still there to this day. Which, yeah. of course, that was written a long time ago. That's so true. Yeah. They may not still be there, but. Once they passed over, it's a little piece of time later that Joshua sees this giant warrior type looking person. And they already knew he and Caleb, along with 10 other spies who had passed away by this point, had gone 40 years earlier into this promised land area. And they knew that there were very tall people that lived there at one point. So imagine Joshua coming upon this guy. He's by himself. He sees him. He's super tall. This guy. He looks like a warrior. He's like, wait, are you for us or against us? And the dude says, neither. <laughs> okay. And I'd still like, if I was Joshua, my hand would still be on the sword's hilt thing, you know, be like, uh, uh, what? And then he's like, he clarifies. He said, I'm, I'm the leader of the Lord's army. Hmm. Take off your sandals, actually, because this is a holy area that you're standing on right now. Okay. Which 
kind of sounds familiar. This is what happened with Moses right. at the burning bush. And um, I, but the the thought that I'm not for you or against you. In fact, Joshua, do you want to align yourself with me? Hmm. Isn't that a powerful thought? How many times is God for me? Am I for God? Yeah. Because yeah. that's where I need to be. Yeah. I don't need to, oh, Lord, I know you're for me. And listen, we could play with words all day. Yes, God loves you. Mm-hmm. He would not have died for you if he did not love you. But make no mistake, Rochelle, you need to be for him. Mm-hmm. That's where your place is. And all these things will be added. Matthew 6, 33, you know, that's one of my favorite verses. If I'm seeking God first and his kingdom, all these things will be added. So I want to be for him. But anyway, that's kind of where we get into some battles with Joshua. But that that's, I, I like that part of Joshua. So that's where I'm landing. Well, the, the for me thing, it reminds me uh, with what I've been going through. I want to talk about feelings. I get a good feeling, yeah. This yeah. shows our age difference because when you said feelings and you hit a song, I'm like feelings, yeah. nothing more than feel. I don't even know what that, she well, just that played. was Etta James, uh, but it was a <gasps> remix uh, that happened in 2010 or so. Oh, so that was Etta James. So though. somebody thought yeah. that they needed to do better than Etta. <laughs> no, what happens is artists go, "I don't have a good chorus. Let me use one that already exists." <laughs> Let me do that. Um, okay. I have been, you know, like I talked about last week, talking with people of another faith, and feeling is a big deal. But I also with the Christian community, feeling has become a big deal. Mm -hmm. And like you said, God is for you. um, But what do we focus on? What do we get distracted by? And I have just, with a couple of scriptures I want to share, you know, really gone back to the roots, if you will. Okay, what does the Bible say? Because I've heard many sentences of of what God's will is. What do you mean? I, I've heard, you know, somebody pray, God, we know that your will is you want this for, for you want them to get a new house. God, we know your will is that you want them to do this. And, you know, because they're praying for good things. Okay. Uh, it might not be. <laughs> like, like, Did you get a word from God just now for that? I know. I know. That's exactly right. Or are you interpreting God wants the best for you as, well, that must mean they they should get this good house. Or are you praying that because you want something, mm-hmm. which ask God for whatever. I mean, within within biblical, I wouldn't ask God, hey, God, please let me have my own private mansion where I can hang out and not have to work. You said you won't ask that, but you have. Have <laughs> I asked that? Um, so In the past when you were 12. When I was 12, right. And so going back to what does scripture say? Mm-hmm. And not being influenced by others, mm-hmm. kind of like we talked about with the stealing thing. Um, but also, what am I feeling? And is that from God? Mm-hmm. What if what if it's a temptation? What if it's a false voice? So you have to you have to test what is this feeling that I have, this voice that I hear, this impress you know, I always liken it to I felt God say, Well, I got it kind of impressed it upon me. Mm-hmm. Well, does that align with scripture should be the first question. That's a really good way to gauge it because I know my feelings can be all over the place. All of ours can. The, especially depending on what's happening in your world. Mm-hmm. If you're stressed out and tired or you've had a lot going on, mm-hmm. you might be a little bit more weepy than usual. True. You know, True. so you're feeling a lot of that. And 
No, I think it's great. I think it's amazing that God has given us this ability to feel. He designed us to feel. And so when then that can incorporate with incredible moments in our world with the spiritual, then it's an amazing, oh, that's lovely. Mm -hmm. But you're right. On those days where you're feeling a bit off and you're like, maybe maybe I heard him wrong. Well, yeah, that's great. You got the key. If you will, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. remember reading the map when I was a kid. Go to the key if you don't know what it is. Oh, that little triangle's a mountain. Okay. That's exactly, that's a great scenario. The yeah. Bible is your key. So we, uh, well, let me just share the first one. We can get into it. So this is Paul, in fact, talking about the message of Jesus saying, okay, I'm going to talk to these people. The Bereans are the name of these people. Mm-hmm. And he goes to them to tell them the message of Jesus. This is Paul's ministry. He's going around. And so much like with the Old Testament, everything that we heard, you know, here's Moses writing things eventually because why? God flat out said it. (laughs) And that's objective truth, right? So this is, I just thought this was very fascinating. Acts 17, 11. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character Hmm. than those in Thessalonica where Paul had just come from. For they received the message with great eagerness— and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Mm. So you have these people that are would follow the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and that's what the Paul did that, and or Saul did that, and then he became Paul, and he became a believer in Jesus. Now he's telling other people that believe in God and follow the Old Testament, but they think the Messiah hasn't come. Well, he's here to preach the good news: mm-hmm. the Messiah has come, and that sounds great. And you can imagine emotional reaction. Awesome. It's what we've been waiting for. It's what we've been wanting. Cool. Thanks for letting us know. Yeah. And going on down the road. And then you tell people and then this, somebody finally says, well, how do you know? Well, because that guy said it. <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> well, but they know because every f- prophecy that was fulfilled, everything that was meant to happen, Paul points out it happened here. You've heard about Jesus. He did this. He was born of a virgin. He was this. He fulfilled the thousands of prophecies we talked about before. And they verified that day, each day, every day is what it says. They didn't just like, oh, I guess it checks out. They were like, tell us more. Okay. Lines up here. Tell Mm -hmm. us more. Lines up here. That's how they know objective truth, not just because it felt good. Yeah. That's really. And because of the scholars, let me just say, if you, I've, I've actually read this online from critics about Jesus fulfilling prophecy they were like well i read those scriptures and that makes no sense it's in the in the middle of random bunch of like if you were to read i think it's psalm 22 okay that's the one i think that stands out that i was like oh my goodness some of these things are very relatable to that that part of um jesus uh his crucifixion on good friday oh right right I okay i think that that's the passage forgive me if i'm wrong if you check it out and you're like this doesn't make any sense what you're saying but that was about burial <laughs> rituals what <laughs> Uh, but there are definitely places. So, so if you Google biblical prophecy, Jesus fulfilled from Old Testament, you, you're going to see lists where people are like, OK, so there, here's an amazing connection that Jeremiah makes. Here's an ama- amazing connection from Micah. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, wow. If you're reading it randomly and then you kind of read the words around it randomly, you're going to be thinking, well, how in the world does that connect? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just random. I could find whatever I wanted to find if I look hard enough for it. The Jewish people would have known the symbolism and the strength in it. Right. I mean, when you see the word 
40 or 40. That's a number. When you see the number 40 and you're like, well, for 40 days and 40 nights, it rained. They didn't necessarily mean that specific number Mm -hmm. that symbolized for a great period of time. Yeah. That's what that meant. Seven was the number of perfection. It was complete Mm -hmm. in seven is what that meant. So when you see those numbers, it might not have been that literal number. It may have just been, wow, it was a real long time that Moses was wandering around in that wilderness. Right. 40 years, real long time. So you have to to understand the significance of Jewish culture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then see how that understanding, that symbolism complements hugely the ways that Jesus prophetically fulfilled. Um, it, it's it's quite staggering, actually. And it is. Yeah. It, you can't even fathom. I mean, there there is no one human being that has ever lived that could have possibly been able to touch on all those prophecies in a lifetime. It's I, not even a, a number that yeah, we could compute. I think the chances of um, any one person doing more than two or three were astronomical. Yeah. Much it, less the, the hundreds or thousands or whatever it was. And when I say compute, I'm saying like we can't fathom. Like there are numbers out there like scientists with calculators. Right. Over a quadrillion but or whatever. Like yeah. it, even if I saw a stack of money right now in front of me that was a million dollars, I'd be like, oh, I don't even know. It's so much money. <laughs> I would have no idea. So what about personal feelings? So mm-hmm. there, there's somebody telling you something. There's a, a even, you know, God forbid, but we know it happens. A pastor telling you something that's not true. Um, we watched a video on that today. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. But You mean the um, pastor that said women should be hotter? Yeah. Yeah, that. Okay. So you have people that say things that just aren't scripturally true. And stood there with the Bible in his hand. And I I don't know his story, so I'm not going to condemn him. But that does happen. People will stand there with a a cloak of Christianity, if Mm -hmm. you will. And to be able to just say, hey, that's wrong. Hey, we I openly, I know the Bible says about gather two or three witnesses if somebody wrongs you, but false teaching, that's that's not the same thing. How that's handled is very publicly, as Paul Paul called Peter out in front of everybody, right? Mm. And so the false teaching, the false things that, oh my goodness, this person's leading God's people astray, that's brought up in public. Um, it just is. And but as but not not a personal sinning its people, that is a, a rather two or three witnesses than confront them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, you know, you have somebody that is leading people astray. You're just, you're just going to say, Hey, that's not biblical. Mm. Um, but on ter- in terms of where does it start with us, our own feelings? I love this from first uh, John four, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And what, how did you tell me? Because we had this discussion before. Mm-hmm. You said there's a way to test that. A way to test that would be, I mean, Scripture. What do you mean? With, what the Scripture specifically you said was because what they said is going to happen. <laughs> oh, with the prophets, yes. Exactly. With the prophets, yes. No, and I was thinking about more personally. Oh, with, okay. the pro- with the prophet, uh, there's a whole Deuteronomy part of uh, if they, if a prophet says, hey, this is going to happen. You know, actually people were uh, prophesying the election. Uh, the yeah. presidential election yeah. and many Christian prophets quote, that's what they call themselves. They got it wrong. <laughs> so, so you just don't listen to them anymore. It, wow. it, they're not prophets. Because just, that's what scripture that's tells what us scripture is telling us to do. You just don't. It says, do not be afraid of them. Don't fear them. Don't you don't. They're not a prophet. 
if somebody says something so brazenly, God told me, I speak on behalf of God that this is going to pass and it doesn't pass. Now, no, there, move along. So the, uh, what you're saying is kind of a bold statement. So if you make a mistake as a person who's in front of a congregation and they said, I'm a yeah. prophet and God told me this and I'm supposed to tell you and they get it wrong. Oh, yeah. Do you think yeah. from then on we should not listen to that pastor anymore, even if they repent and say, I was wrong. I messed yeah, up. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Well, you wouldn't trust him as a prophet. Yeah. Again. Yeah. You, you wouldn't. You know, you told me a story. I did. That you, back in the day, somebody told you, there's been people tell you things, because I think the gift of prophecy is absolutely a thing. Uh, people told you things that did come true, mm-hmm. but I believe it was it you. Somebody told you something. Yeah. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And you knew to take it with a grain of salt from now on. This lady comes over to me. She goes, you're having twins. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. And I and said, you didn't. no, because I've seen the sonogram. Well, they've been wrong before. And I thought, well, she was wrong. <laughs> she was wrong. She was. Yeah. And yeah. so you would not take that. Advice I, from her from You know, now it's on. interesting. I took her advice with a grain of salt. And I thought, here's a well-intentioned person who got real presumptuous in the moment. Mm-hmm. But I also, I also, this is kind of strange. She said something to me. She said, there's healing in your hands. Well, at the time, we were really in trouble financially. Mm-hmm. And I started painting. Okay. And I started taking my painting stuff to these craft shows and I found a healing experience not only for me mentally because it gave me something like a uh, something to pour into, um, but also a way to help provide for our family at the time. And so I thought, Lord, you know, this woman was clearly mistaken about this, but I'm not going to wipe out this entire experience just off the grid. You know, I'm going to what she shared in that moment. It did touch me. Whether yeah. or not it's an accurate statement. And, and that's the thing. I, I think that that you wouldn't write off that experience by any means. That sounds powerful. But I think in terms of is she a prophet or not, yeah. it's not about no. how many everybody, you know, a broken clock is uh, right twice a day. It's not about <laughs> it. It's that if a prophet is called by God, yeah. they get every one of them right. Well, what is interesting about a, a, a word that was spoken over my life when I was very young, the guy speaking had no idea who I was mm-hmm. and his what he shared in some some people will be like, oh, that sounds like parlor tricks. Uh, I'm getting an I. Is there somebody with the letter I in okay. his name? You know? okay. No, he didn't do anything like that. But he looked at me and I said, I see a stage with you and music. Hmm. And I thought, wow. And he, he said, it is going to be a large stage. Well, I sang specials at church and I'm like, I don't know what this means. Mm-hmm. I have since, because of the job that God has given me, been a part of many musical events mm-hmm. with concerts and such and been a part of the emceeing experiences, large auditoriums that I would have never, I didn't know I was going to be a part yeah. of that. Yeah. It was just fascinating, but it wasn't hugely specific. And with that, it's kind of interesting because if you do read those Old Testament prophecies, you do kind of need to go over it with a fine tooth comb and say, well, what did they really mean when they said that? I mean, even yeah. Balaam's prophecy about a star out of Bethlehem. What does that mean? Mm. You could. And now now we know the story we, of we Jesus. We have hindsight, right. We've got the hindsight. So that's fascinating. Well, and that's and that's a great thing on the prophets thing. But I, I guess even with this is test the spirit. This is again, first John four. Don't believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they're from God. I, I, so that verse I'm taking personally about okay. the things I feel, right? Yeah, yeah. 
should I be doing this? Should I take this job? Should I do this activity? Should I? Um, and and I, I think you just got to go back to, is it is there a scripture against it? Mm. Is there a scripture that encourages it? Is there no teaching on it? But you can see it being, you know, there's no uh, scripture about video games. Okay. Yeah. But there's a scripture about lust. So there's certain video games you not probably wouldn't want to play. And so you kind of, you balance that out to say, what does the Bible say about this? And especially if it's a strong feeling, then you, you test that. What does God say about that thing? And if it's the opposite, then that spirit, that feeling is probably not from God. I would also encourage you, maybe you're like, I'm not that well-versed in scripture. So how would I even begin to go about testing it? And it's, there's always a great place to start at the beginning there you go. Just yeah. delve in. Just jump in because that's how you learn how to swim a lot of the time. That's, but, you just jump in. But, you know, even Paul, he was one of those those trusted people with, let's say, Timothy. You know, here Timothy is this leader of the biggest church of the time. And he would write these letters to Timothy to encourage him. And I'm sure Timothy went to Paul and asked him for, hey, look, this is an issue. Mm-hmm. So what would you speak to that in, in terms of like wise counsel? I think I, absolutely. I think discipleship is a obviously biblical thing and to especially seek out the advice of somebody that's um, a step ahead of you in life. And I mean, I mean that like I uh, was, you know, when I worked with youth ministry, I was at some points only five or six years older than the people there, but I had gone through that phase of life. Yeah. So I and, you know, I'm I'm a guy that was a high schooler talking to high school guys. There you go. And sure. what I would do right now is a married 30 year old man that um, is, you know, has a nine month old. Well, I would want to be discipled by somebody that is a few years older than me or maybe they're the same age, but they have older kids or, some, you know, something where clearly they've gone through it. It's why you would talk to them. Now, I think we can learn from everybody, sure. but a discipleship relationship That's like really that, good. a mentor, you mm-hmm. probably want them who have already gone through what you are going through. That's so, really good. And then the last thing I'll wrap up with is James 1.5. The the uh, people of the faith that I was talking about last week, um, they say, you know, about our beliefs. Well, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, mm-hmm. and it'll be given to you. Mm-hmm. So so just ask God and, and see if what we believe is true. And that's, you know, when they bring up a verse that I believe in, it's really tough. And so you have to go to the context of what this is. And this is talking about trials. This is talking about, I don't want to, I don't know what to do next about my job, my family. But the Bible never once asks us, hey, you should pray about truth. <laughs> There's some things you don't have to pray for. Hey, God, should I murder this person? <laughs> no. <laughs> stop Stop wasting your time. Stop wasting God's time. I mean, if that's even God's outside of time, but still, you just know because God said it already. And so the things that we need wisdom for are the things that are happened personally in trials, but not things that have already been answered by God. Mm. And that's yeah. that. <laughs> This is just our ponderings for this week's Quiet Time. Anything but. Anything but Quiet Time podcast. And of course, HopeOnDemand.com. And hey, by the way, you know, I was talking earlier about those those moments where Jesus uh, 
he, wow, he really went through, speaking of feelings, many of them, during that Passion Week right before his death and resurrection. Yeah. And if you would like to kind of take that journey along with him, you could text the word Easter to 893-893.